Driveline R&D Podcast, episode 90. It's your boy, uh, Kyle Caravan, filling in for Alex Caravan uh, because he's not not on the pod. Anthony is in Wichita, Kansas, right? Wichita's in Kansas? I think so. Um, at the NBC World Series Tournament, trying to win the studs another championship. Um, today, I'm drinking a... We call it poop coffee from the Keurig in the company uh, kitchen because it's not the best tasting coffee in the world. Um, today we have Bill Heasel, director of pitching um, at Driveline Baseball, and David Besky, coordinator, player development coordinator. Coordinator of player development analytics. Beautiful. I, th- I thought I was filling in for Caravan on the data side. Oh, that's so true. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here anymore. No, no, no. That's actually a good point. I was just filling in for the intro. Um, yeah. How's the how's the summer going? Any any your Besky's been working more closely with the uh, training floor than really ever in the last few months. How's the summer summer training and summer summer load been? Uh, I think uh, the load has been. Pretty crazy. I mean, it's always crazy in the summer. We get so many college guys um, and, you know, just a variety of other athletes. But when you think about now that we have a bigger space and we can fit more guys into a throwing slot, uh, we can run more efficient hours, but it allows us to expand the academy and do some other things. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. We always, uh, it's kind of messed up my night lifts because we always got people training in here until like 8 or 9 p.m. or whatever, but. Yeah, that's why. What about on the like analytics side, doing any um, data collection projects or anything? Uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, we're getting to the point in the summer where we're starting to see more retests because we're six weeks out from mm-hmm. when a lot, a lot of guys got here in May, early June. Um, so it's good to see those retests, see some gains um, on that front. Um, and just be able to an- sort of analyze, retest, adjust training plans according to that. Yeah. Uh, based on um, what we're seeing, how things are working with guys. So, hell yeah. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing sort of around this time. Uh, also, kind of getting hot uh, out here in Seattle now. So I know. It's really, really getting that summer energy going on the floor. Yeah. Fuck it. And more velo days, right? Because more people are done with their oh, on ramping. Yeah. 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 And just, you know, the general need for you know, college athletes or at least a large portion of them is to gain mm-hmm. velo. But this is also. We made some changes to some of the deliverables and stuff. A lot of the stuff that, that Besky specifically has worked on, um, you know, in terms of test to retest and even like an initial assessment stuff, just like their composite scores, uh, percentile rankings. There's just like a, uh, some more deliverables that we can leverage and tools that we can use internally that I think make the the athlete meeting and even the, like the retest meeting much more efficient, yeah. much more actionable and, um, you know, kind of hit home the key points in like the upcoming training phase a little bit easier um and just make things like much more efficient and targeted for the athlete which is really good they're using like the dashboards now for right that you made for uh athlete meetings uh i think the biggest thing is like uh, our new composite score report that kind of dials in on uh sort of grading out different uh areas of the delivery rather than having to go metric by metric throughout oh, the pages and kind it's of like make, body, make sense of the normative body. values. It just kind of like provides one grade for your lower half, which in a retest uh, context is especially useful for like, there are some trade-offs between certain metrics. So like, say you're able to get more scap retraction, but you do that by like lowering your arm, just timing up foot plans slightly differently. Like on the whole, does it work out to be a positive um, across like the different metrics? So. Yeah. Uh, by kind of focusing on, on those, we're able to sort of summarize data and be a little bit more efficient 
uh, in terms of evaluating changes. That's fire. Yeah, it helps the athlete kind of like take a step back. And if the athlete like want, or, or if even we want to ask like, right, the goal in this throwing phase was to improve like lower half mechanics. Like did that happen? Mm -hmm. And the composite score rankings help with that. When you're looking metric by metric, it's like much more nuanced, you know, yeah. and it's easy to get lost in like, well, my lead knee extension angular velo was better, but you know, I produced less foot, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it, you know, it's a little bit more succinct and easier for the athlete to see that like, oh, I was working on this specific thing. This was the focus of this training block from a mechanics perspective. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I was 50th percentile. Now I'm 70th yeah. or whatever, you know. Have we been able to incorporate the force plates? I honestly haven't really looked looked through the composite report much. Are there, are, is that a part of the composite report, the force plates? Um, those are currently just in the main report um, or like backwards compatibility with all the stuff when we didn't have force plates. Mm -hmm. uh, we're kind of, uh, that aspect of it, uh, specifically like from a blocking standpoint, uh, is kind of constrained to uh, the sort of kinem kinematic uh, measures for, yeah. for the block, um, which we have a couple different ways of slicing and dicing it. So we probably capture uh, like a decent amount of the force plate stuff, uh, but that's uh, still kind of working on being integrated. Yeah, yeah, I guess. that's interesting because I remember specifically with you, there was a mobile assessment trip we went on where there was a guy who had a lot of lateral tilt and his arm slot was really high and he had like a good amount of vertical break on his fastball we were like yeah you could probably get more neutral to maybe rotate a little bit better better in the throw like that's what we would typically uh recommend for somebody just like strictly based on biomechanics we were like okay is this going to help him overall um yeah like we've considering yeah. and we did do some some investigations on force plate stuff that i'm not sure if we've like totally Maybe we put it on a blog or something, but we, you know, just like very basic stuff with the initial uh, data that we collect, like looking at like, all right, does, does the actual like direction that the force is imparted matter as much as like the total force? And we've, we've like looked at some things like that. Uh, I definitely think like there's a lot more for us to figure out and unlock there, but uh, we still just need a lot of data collection from a yeah. wide group of skill levels to, to really kind of like draw any conclusions there. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest things from the initial scope of that was like putting force into the ground horizontally and vertically, um, sort of uh, towards home plate uh, and away from second base uh, on the back leg and sort of back towards second on the lead leg and then a down t uh, into the ground on the back leg and out of the ground on the front leg. Uh, like those all correlate to ball velo on par with like top biomechanical, whatever other uh, metrics yeah uh, so like those are things that we're looking for it probably relates somewhat to like the other stuff we look at for the block though so mm -hmm. just figuring out the balance of like uh how to weight all those in sort yeah. of a composite score and if someone's block looks good above the ground but he's not producing force mm -hmm. um just being able to evaluate that and, and kind of weight it appropriately yeah for sure the negative uh grf into with the back leg is interesting i don't know if you've talked to dean jackson about that but he originally had a yeah, that was one of his theories about um like the center of gravity velocity in the z direction that's like a big he was like i'm seeing a lot of really hard throwers do like go down in a, like in the z direction into the ground with his pelvis really quickly or with his center of gravity so that's funny that's funny and also we got new plows coming out yeah that's right. Uh, next, well, at the time we're recording this next week, so August third, they're uh, they're they're launching. Yeah, pretty pretty fired up. We've been using them 
testing them, whatever you want to call it, in the facility for for quite a while. Um, you know, even the the pink ball. I think the the first prototype you made of it. Pink is uh, fifteen hundred. Yeah, fifteen hundred grand. Fifteen hundred. Well, I think the first prototype that was made of it um, was was basically you know Bodie's idea, and I think it was like three years ago. I mean, we were in the old facility, and I remember he just like rolled out two of them and was just like <laughs> you know, uh, here's here's what I got, and um, even the the newer ones uh that you know obviously we, we've put some promo and we've done some stuff with the pink ball already put a blog out which i think we'll talk about here a little bit but even the new ones uh you know we've been using them internally and and, and playing around with them for for quite a while um and even before we manufactured these we had trainers using the hitting plows to kind of like you know hack together this mm -hmm. this set anyway so yeah we're, we're, we're pretty excited i think um the use cases for them and the ways that you can use them are, are pretty like limitless, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. August August third, they'll be they'll be live. Yeah, that's exciting. With you don't throw like all of them, right? Like if if somebody was to be like either for their daily plow routine or like a plow velo, like which ones? Yeah, so uh, I think the I don't know the best way to like summarize uh, the idea behind the new plows is. Um, you want to have uh, more implements to work with because based on the athletes uh, and, and specifically more weights, honestly, because based on the athletes, age, skill level, training history, uh, you know, a variety of time of year, throwing phase, all these different things, you want to be able to scale up or down the weight of the implements, mm -hmm. right? So there's going to be times or situations where you want to shade on the heavier side of things. There's going to be times where you maybe want to shade on the lighter side of things, depending on what adaptation you're trying to drive or what your you know, training goal is. And then there's also going to be times where you're going to want to do that based on the athletes like age or skill level, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, being able to, uh, you know, create a plyo set that shades a little bit lighter, but is still heavier or around the same weight as a baseball. It's probably pretty important for like youth athletes mm -hmm. being able to shade a set like heavier, uh, is probably beneficial to say athletes that are coming back or, or like post-surgery or something where we're trying to keep torque values down early in the throwing program. You know, maybe we're going to pair, you know, the heavier set with like them only throwing six ounce balls to start or something like that, which is pretty common. Um, there's just like a ton of, of use cases um, and which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, but no, you don't throw all of them. The idea would be you want to keep generally speaking the, the throwing volume and, and throw counts relatively the same Somewhere. as you would as our normal programming, but the mm -hmm. idea is that you could just switch up the ball weights. That being said, though, uh, something that I did this off season was, you know, earlier on, uh, you know, in like an on ramp or an accumulation phase or more of a developmental phase, if I'm skewing the ball slightly heavier, that may allow for me to add in some additional throws because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, total stress. If you want to look at it that way, might be lower. So yeah. it might be a way to steal some some extra throws. Yeah, for sure. That makes a ton of sense to me on the return to throw stuff too. Cause I know there's been some, there's just been some work done in the past with like using heavier balls early, whether it's an on-ramp or a return to throw, like keeping that peak stress down when you're trying to rehab a tissue um, and the rest of your body. And like, it's also just way easier to throw a heavy ball at a low intent than it is a baseball. Like if you throw a baseball at 50% or less than 50%, whatever, it's going to feel like super weird. Your mm -hmm. mechanics are probably not going to be anything like close to what your your actual like medium to max intent uh mechanics are but it's much easier to do that with a, if you have a, a like a higher load yeah uh i mean that's one of the ways i use them with uh, a big leader this this off season uh, actually dylan tate um he just 
you know, naturally early on in his throwing programs, like just can throw really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he's obviously been with us for, for a handful of years and just working with him for so long. I, I know that like early on in his throwing programs, like if he feels good, he kind of wants to, to let it eat. So, you know, last off season, this, this previous one, uh, or the one before it, I should say, you know, there were times where we'd be like three weeks into our on rep and, you know, dudes throwing 95 mile an hour gray balls, which is probably not the, <laughs> the best thing. So a way to hack that, you know, maybe keep the intensity up, keep the throwing volume up is like, I just don't, you know, I just didn't let him throw anything lighter than a yellow ball mm -hmm. for like a large portion of the on-ramp and the developmental phase. Because if he blows out a red ball or something like that, it, I, I prefer that over him, like, you know, blowing out an underload ball so, sure. so early in his like, you know, uh, throwing program or whatever. So, you know, there is a way to use these to kind of like help auto-regulate intensity, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you can also probably like, for somebody who's training long-term enough, you can probably kind of tune it to what they're seeing the best results with maybe. Like, I don't know if they're, if they go with the standard set first or they want to like, okay, I feel better with the light balls or like I'm throwing the light balls better or the heavy balls better, like leaning into one or the other and kind of seeing what is going to, what helps your five ounce feel a little bit better like yeah, that during was, your testing days. That was also kind of one of the main drivers behind even doing it was, uh, you know, we, we've done a lot on like trying to look at like expected velocity numbers across a variety of different departments. But, uh, what has always been like somewhat of interest to us is like, all right, this guy throws this hard on the mound. Mm. What, what would be a good green ball for him or a mm. good blue ball for him or whatever? Uh, and if that is below expectation, like what, what does that mean? Is that something we should focus on? And there probably is some, you know, a group of athletes where they should probably throw uh, more of the balls that they are bad at or performing below expectation on. Mm -hmm. um, and so we basically made uh, a calculator to kind of figure that out. So we've obviously collected an insane amount of, you know, plyo velocity numbers and mound velocity numbers, you know, over the course of the company's history. So we have a pretty wide data set to draw from. So we actually did that and we'll be releasing them with the with the balls. I think Besky can probably touch on it, you know, a little bit more nuanced, but that's essentially the idea is that um, you know, you can if you're new to weighted balls, you can you can perform some sort of a like velocity baseline test with plyos, assuming you're on ramped and all of those things. Or if you're a more advanced trainee or someone that's used weighted balls before, you probably have an idea like, oh I this is where I kind of sit with the blue ball when I'm really trying to let it go. You can plug those numbers in, plug in your mound velocity, and what it'll essentially spit back to you is what your expected number should be on a standard plyo set. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then what you can do is you can figure out, all right, where am I off? Okay, uh, I really suck at throwing the light balls. Those numbers are way off. Uh, you know, expected velo on this gray ball should be 95. Like I'm barely breaking 90 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and what the stool will do is basically recommend to you which balls or which set of balls you should throw in the upcoming throwing phase, assuming you're trying to gain, um, you know, velocity. And I think uh, we've used it internally, uh, basically this entire time. And I think it's, I think it's really cool. I think it's a really good example of a way too that uh, if you're just totally unsure about how to use them, because there is such wide use cases for them, this is one way to like get started. Like, oh, okay, I. I clearly am not good at throwing these heavy balls. There's probably something to training in that, uh, in, in those balls specifically, like in a targeted way mm -hmm. to improve those numbers and then retest and then figure out, all right, where, where am I expected velos at, you know, currently or whatever. So. Got it. What's the, 
when you like plug in your velocity to to get in or to sorry get the your like expected pile velo numbers back what is that is that built on like on average these people who throw um this in gym on average have this velocity uh during their like plyo velo days or is it like these guys who threw these balls gained this much time or this much velocity over over time and and kind of like uh indiv- individualizing that way yeah so the it's it's more the former uh the first step is sort of just gaining context on where they fall and i think it's really helpful for especially people new to uh throwing plows and plyo veloing I remember my first plyovulon online training. It's like, I have no clue how hard I should be throwing this. Mm-hmm. If it pops up with whatever, 50 for a green roll, and I'm, is it good? Yeah. Like, I just have, have absolutely yeah. no context for that. So especially um, if you're like an individual athlete or just like haven't been like rigorously documenting your plyovulon numbers from a bunch of athletes, really difficult to know what to expect. So I think that's uh, super helpful because then that also provides more motivation for like, if a guy comes in here in his first plyo velo, he just doesn't really know what he's doing. And he's just kind of throwing them. It's like, uh, you should have probably a couple more ticks in yeah. given, given how hard you're throwing off the mound. Uh, so I think that's really helpful. Oftentimes we'll see guys kind of struggle to, to find that at first where their first couple plyo velos, as they get yeah. used to it, they really sort of gain the feel for throwing plyos hard. And I think having the feedback of like what, what the average velocity would be is super helpful for, for guys to kind of, uh, shorten that learning curve and, and kind of get up to speed a little bit quicker on them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's ripping sort of like the, the average velocity given your velocity off the mound. Uh, what do we see athletes throw for different ball weights and, and drill combinations as well? Yeah, that's interesting. I'd, I hadn't thought about the like motivation piece. If you're throwing alone, you don't have somebody else to compare like your ply, your green ball number two or your blue ball number two. Like you can have this like threshold or benchmark to try to hit based on what other people typically throw. That's interesting. Is it usually on the low, the like light side or the heavy side that guys struggle more to reach those, reach those numbers? Uh, It's almost always on the, on the lighter, the lighter side. So like they'll, they'll under, or their like gray ball velocity, the lightest ball we have is typically lower than uh, what the plow, like the plow below calculator. Yeah, generally, because if you think of like, there's the basic theory and, and training principles behind like the heavier implements is mm-hmm. they're, they're designed to, you know, in, they, they promote more efficient movements. Uh, so generally speaking, uh, you know, when guys are throwing the heavier balls, like the ball itself or the implement itself is, you know, potentially helping them move in a more mm-hmm. efficient way. Whereas that kind of goes away with, you know, uh, a ball that's less than five ounces or, you know, even anything remotely lighter, you know, they're not relying on the implement to help them in any way. Um, and that's usually why they, they skew down. But I think there's also something too, to just like being able to scale the variability, right? Like, uh, you, I also think of it as, uh, you know, you brought up guys that are like super novice to, or, you know, novices to weighted ball training have never done a plyo velo or something like that before. Maybe they've never even done these drills before. So, uh, if you have, I don't want to say big because it's not like, you know, we're going from like a, a four pound ball to like a five ounce mm-hmm. ball or something. And there's obviously balls in the middle. But, you know, if, if you have someone that's like uh, low training experience is, is maybe younger, not a strong, low proprioception, all, all these different things, they've never done these drills before. It might not be the best idea to have like a ton of weight variability in the implements. It might be a better idea to like clump them closer to a five ounce ball, mm. closer to competition weight, because that's something that they're familiar with. 
Yeah. Uh, and then maybe when they get a hold of the drills and they figure out how to use the drills and, and what the purpose of each one is, then maybe you can shift them from there. Like the way I always looked at it when I was training, um, you know, less advanced athletes was just that like early on, I, I don't want them trying to make adjustments or figure out how to move the implement. I mm -hmm. want them to first understand the purpose of the drill, what change we're trying to drive and, and derive from the drill then worry about, okay, I figured out how to do a janitor. Mm -hmm. I, I understand like what I'm trying to drive. I understand for me what the drill is for. I understand how to do it. Now let's figure out how I can throw the shit out of this red ball, you know? Uh, so maybe early on, there's too much variability. Maybe for, uh, you know, someone who's a little bit more advanced, you want more variability. I mean, I, I think it's just a way to scale it up and down. It's, it's not a novel concept if you think about it. I mean, this is something that track and field does pretty regularly like if you look at uh in fact uh you know we'll, we'll have a blog on this or a little bit touching on this next week that that steve wrote who literally pretty much should be credited with you know the idea of even throwing these he's uh, used on the the hitting yeah, plows yeah, for yeah, like he, super early right? yeah he was using them really 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 early um but it's not a novel thing i mean it's something that's pretty common in track and field um to have you know portions of the sports development plan or the training plan where there's more of a focus on the lighter implements or there's more of a focus on the heavier implements mm -hmm. or there's more of a focus clumping the weights around, you know, the competitive weight. Um, and I think just having more implements to choose from just kind of allows you to, to do that. And then, you know, we can talk about some of the other kind of weirder things that, that I've done this off season. Cause I've used them with every pro that I train this off season uses these and everyone that I currently train uses them in the season as well. Do you choose do you choose different balls during the season than you would? I mean, you talked about it earlier a little bit with um, eight like early in the off season, giving them heavier balls to, well, like theoretically safer uh, and, and lower load, um, lower peak load at least. And then, do, is it like during the season you go a little bit lighter, like for like warm ups or whatever? Yeah, before uh, the game. What I actually did this season with all of my guys is i basically made two sets of plows for them mm -hmm. um so on their high intensity days which for most guys is going to be game day or their their primary bullpen uh the set skews a little bit lighter because we're we want to get the arm going we want to throw harder and uh, especially for relievers on game day they, they need to get going so we, we want to skew a little lighter um on recovery days hybrid days just non-high intensity days mm -hmm. Uh, the set skews a little bit heavier. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, like I don't know on a like hybrid B day if there's just like any benefit to a big leaguer like throwing a gray ball at like 80 miles an hour. Yeah, because it's a hybrid B, right? Like yeah. why why would that be beneficial at all? Are they getting anything out of that drill and that throw specifically outside of like the the fitness benefits? Mm -hmm. Probably probably not. Uh, and then going back to what I said originally. Uh, in season when we're trying to maintain workload, keep it high, but do so in a safe way. Uh, if you skew them a little bit heavier on those days, then you can potentially get more volume in mm -hmm. on top of that because they're throwing the heavier implements. And again, uh, you know, it also just helps auto-regulate the intensity, right? Yeah. Like the last, you're, I'm not there, uh, right? So the last thing I want is like on a hybrid B day, one of these guys feels really good and he starts just like ripping gray balls. Mm, then he's uh, hanging for his game. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah I've actually moved to that. So uh, all of my guys in season kind of have two sets of plows, a, a kind of non-high intent set 
and a high intensity set. And obviously there's some overlap. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the, the drills are, are still there, right? You know, guys are still doing pivot picks, you know, it's heavier focus, but, uh, the set just skews lighter on those high intensity days, skews a little heavier on the, on the non high intent days. Interesting. Yeah. Cause we've been, I've been looking at a ton of pulse numbers lately and we've been, uh, the main thing we found with our internal uses is just that guys don't down regulate their intensity enough on low intensity days. And I honestly didn't even think about just put a heavier ball in their hand. Uh, it'll hopefully like it might get them, you know, with a little bit less intensity. And obviously we, we found that it's a little bit, the actual load is lower too. So that's, and also if you see like a 70 miles an hour on the radar gun, instead of like a, you're cl pretty close to your PR, you're probably slightly less inclined to be like, yeah. oh, I can, I can just ramp it up a little bit and then like, like let it eat for two or three. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been, um, you know, I only work with, with a couple relievers in season at this point, but it's been unbelievably helpful for them because you know, they just got to be ready to throw all the time. So it's really hard for them to get a ton of work in between appearances and, you know, managing their, their throwing fitness and just like their workload is difficult. And, you know, you want to, you know, steal as many throws as you mm -hmm. can without, you know, jeopardizing performance on the mound. So being able to skew them a little heavier, uh, you know, has, has, you know, been successful for me to get them more throws in a way that doesn't like tax them a crazy amount they still get their patterning work and, and they still get the benefits from the drills and they still get to make a decent amount of throws and still be ready you know for the game without having to you know rip a bunch of gray balls or something like that yeah john creel made a uh shout out john made a tweet thread about how like maybe it was just one tweet but he was talking about how like a couple of days before a game he limits himself to like less than five max effort throws which doesn't seem like a lot but he's found that like if he rips more than just five max intent throws, like two days later, he might still not be ready to come back. So that seems super powerful for sure. Keep people from like really letting it eat. Yeah. There's also guys that just like, they just like can't throw a gray ball light, you know? Yeah. Like they're just going to throw an upper eighties no matter what, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like for a reliever on a, on a hybrid B day, or, or if he's doing like a touch and feel and getting ready for that, like that's probably not a good idea you know i'd rather i'd rather the lightest ball he throws is like a yellow ball or whatever mm -hmm. you know um that way if he like lets it eat on a yellow ball it's kind of the baseball equivalent or if he lets it eat on a red ball uh you know hopefully he doesn't but it's it's a little bit of like a safety net i guess in yeah regards. and it's been it's been really really helpful guys have really really liked it quite a bit do we do similar things with the leather weighted baseballs like on on lower in 10 days or yeah, just volume days, like going like more 11 ounce and nine ounces or? Uh, I don't only because, recently. I mean, you definitely could, mm -hmm. definitely could. I, I don't only because uh, most of the leather weighted ball stuff for, for guys in season, at least for me is, uh, you know, mostly done at 60 to 70%. Anyway, it's just, uh, you know, to put a leather ball in their hands, repattern some of the drills and get them prepared for, for long toss or whatever. Uh, but you definitely could, mm -hmm. you, you definitely could. And like, uh, I was talking to, uh, somebody about it the other day. If you think about like the variability in weight in the leather balls, like it's not much, right? Like mm -hmm. three, four, five, six, yeah. seven, nine, eleven. 11. Uh, you know, we're basically just like adding more implements on the plyo side to be able to like scale those 
up and down. And uh, the same thing we do with leather balls. Like if you've, if you train with us before, familiar with how we train velocity and like how we group pull downs, like some guys, uh, you know, have pull downs where they're just like underload specific, overload specific, uh, you know, they have different spreads. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with mound velos and weighted ball mound velos and different things like that. And having more implements just allows us to, to do that. And that's really where the, the calculator comes in um, is to help drive more specific velocity training around the balls that you, you probably need to throw more. Yeah, for sure. Do we plan on doing more like as the, especially during the summer, as we start to roll more of these out, like, are we planning to do some like longitudinal, like kind of incorporate some like training effects into some, like a tool, like the plow velo calculator or. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing now is, um, uh, with, pretty much everything we do, we're, we're logging it. Um, so we're really keeping track of uh, the longitudinal effects of uh, guys who uh, we think are candidates for yeah. sort of overload or underload for sp- uh, a variety of reasons. Uh, sort of like w- one of my guys, uh, like his first week, uh, he had like a, a shoulder capsule tear in high school and just like really struggled to get layback since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the biggest thing, like his lowest hanging fruit was just like, all right, like if we can figure out how to get you more laid back, that's probably good. If we can take you from, I think you started off at like third percentile up to like fifteenth percentile laid back, like yeah, that's probably going to help you the the most. Um, yeah. And so with that, he was able to associate that with like he could immediately connect it with being pushy. And so when he was throwing the plows, he's like, I just really feel like the heavier balls, the the blue and the green, like I'm not pushing it. I can feel it lay back. Um, and so with that, we just shaded to the heavy balls. Um, and I mean, in, in conjunction with, with a lot of work on the physical therapy side, Terry really, uh, got him right there. I mean, he gained like 10 degrees of external rotation. So it's that sort of thing of be, being able to tailor it. Uh, and then, so with us logging all of that, we'll be able to kind of look back and look at both the mechanical changes as well as, uh, velocity changes, um, for sort of guys who are trying to target with, with, uh, more specific. Uh, ball weight assignments yeah, yeah. we're doing a b testing what we're collecting for the a b testing right now uh, honestly like when when steve initially started doing this like i said i think i mentioned it already he basically just you know had one athlete that he thought like okay i, I think this guy needs he's been training with us for a little while i think he needs a little bit more of a novel stimulus mm-hmm. it's kind of plateaued a little bit uh let's see if i can have him throw the hitting balls and the different weights and uh you know maybe it like you know, helps him break through a plateau or gives him yeah. something a little bit different. Uh, and then he started using them with more and more guys. And I, I honestly like pushed back on it a little bit early on. I, you know, I, I think like my initial reaction was just like, look, our guys gain like a ridiculous amount of velocity already. Like you just, I don't know that we need to like <laughs> make too any, much. any changes or whatever. And he was like, that's, that's not the idea. The idea is like, can we drive even better results? Can we provide them sooner? Mm-hmm. Uh, can we like, if, if uh, a guy is selling out for velo, does using these balls help reduce any like cost that maybe comes with that on the on the mechanical side of things? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what some of the testing that we're doing right now, basically just putting guys through our, our kind of normal standard set velocity training stuff, uh, and then specifically using the calculator to dictate which balls they should throw in their velocity phase, and we're going to see what the results are. So are we able to, you know, drive better movement changes while also driving, you know, higher velos? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we seeing like velos go up quicker? 
Um, and yeah, we're doing a lot of that collection now. We, we, we started it quite a while ago, but we started it in the pro off season and we just, we don't train, or at least we didn't this pro off season train, you know, hundreds of dudes that need velocity. It was a lot of pitch design stuff and, and some more nuanced, you know, maybe command stuff or whatever. So, uh, we just didn't have a large enough sample to really put anything out, but you know, this summer has, has afforded us quite a, quite a large one. Yeah. Hell yeah. The, the pushy, the pushy comment you made makes sense to me. And I think there's a sweet spot too, which I think there's a good amount of evidence there for, especially the pink ball, because the black ball is really heavy. And we did our uh, pink ball study, which we have a blog about. So for those not um, familiar yet, but basically found that the heavy, that the black ball, we found this in the plyovilo study too, which we, I don't think we've published yet, but um, the heaviest ball at max at max effort in the plyo. So the green ball in the plyovilo study, people guys got a little bit shorter and probably guarding a little bit. And then in the uh, study where we looked at the black ball, pink ball and green ball, we saw that guys were just generally more pushy with the black ball. So it was like statistically significantly, um, more pushy with the black ball than the green ball. So like maybe, uh, the pink ball is a better, a better balance, uh, and weight while still maintaining like a safe and like good weight to push forward, like adaptations we actually want to see. Yeah. Yeah. What's funny too, is that like, uh, the pink ball and like these new plows, like didn't even come together at the same, they were like two totally separate things. You know, the, the pink ball was kind of like Bodhi's idea from quite a while ago. Uh, and then, you know, the new plows, uh, were just like something born from, from heart's mind, basically. Uh, it just so happens that we're just going to like, you know, sort of combine them, launch them at the same time. But the, the ping ball is like super interesting. Um, and the reason why we even ran the, you know, did the investigation was just because anecdotally we were seeing just like a lot of guys with either good arm action already or, or guys that we were trying to improve arm action, uh, it wasn't necessarily getting worse with the black ball, but for, you know, some athletes, it, the throw just got more pushy because uh, maybe because of their training age, you know, strength levels, a variety of different things, uh, you know, they just like naturally got more pushy. It took them a long time to figure out how to move that implement, which there could be some good to that. But for guys that you're trying to train a significant amount of things over a short amount of time, you know, you maybe just don't have that time for them to like adapt to the implement itself. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, the big thing was just seeing, does it make sense to put a ball in between there? It is kind of a big jump to go yeah, from the, the black to the green, you know, two X baby. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a pretty big jump. Um, and so, you know, uh, just experimenting with it. Plus we took a bunch of polls. Uh, I think we asked like on Twitter, we asked, um, in our plus Slack and just asked a bunch of guys like who's still using the the black ball for, for Pipivix. And there was still like a significant amount of people using it, but the overwhelming majority was basically saying like, uh, I just double up on green or I go with green and blue. Um, and so I think it just made sense for us to like make the, the prototype pink balls and start to, to try them. And we, we gave a couple out to some like trusted partners and some, some long-term trainees. And the, just the feedback was, was really, really good. Um, and when we did the investigation, you know, a lot of our assumptions, I guess, were confirmed. Uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of difference, um, you know, between the the pink and the and the black ball. Uh, the black ball was still driving a lot of things that we want to see. Mm -hmm. And um, but the big thing was just when you combine some of those findings with just like the subjective feedback from 
a ton of trainees and trainers, I think it just made sense to, you know, pull the trigger and, and launch a ball in between. And, um, I don't know, guys have just like really, really liked it. Yeah. Is it replacing the black ball and like the recovery circuit too? For like rebounders and uh right now no um we don't really have any plans for that but uh it could uh i mean there's the, the idea is you know it, it's not like a, the four pound ball or whatever is like a magic number it's just that it was clear that like um a significant overload implement was like important mm -hmm. um but from recovery sector we haven't changed anything we, we honestly haven't changed anything at all like our standard programming and, and the way we program most athletes most athletes is the same uh the pink ball just comes in based on training age you know actual age um you know experience strength levels yeah. um because you know we do also get athletes that are older but they're just really really weak and it's going to be difficult because of that for them to move the black ball in any drill yeah uh, so it might be better to scale down or whatever you know um, there might be rehab cases where, yeah, we want to skew heavier, but maybe the black ball is a little too heavy or something yeah, yeah. like that. Or, you know, I've had instances where, uh, you know, the athlete is just hesitant coming off of some sort of surgical intervention to throw that heavy an implement. Yeah, so yeah. the compromise is to just, you know, use the pink ball or double up on green or something like that. The other, the big thing that, that at least I saw anecdotally and why I pushed on it so hard was just, I had a lot of athletes uh that i trained that their arm action is already super efficient we're not really trying to drive any arm action changes in like pivot picks but if i put the black ball in their hand like the throw just gets worse because it just becomes a little bit more pushy or they just don't move that heavy of an implement all yeah. that well and again there could be some benefits to uh just telling them hey you gotta you gotta figure out how to move the implement but when you're dealing with you know someone who makes a living throwing a baseball yeah. and you're trying to train so many different things i don't have time for them, their arm action is already good. Yeah. I'd rather put an implement in their hand that they can move well and change the focus of the drill, right? So like Tate's a good example. His arm action is already fantastic. There's not really a reason to have the focus of pivot picks be on the arm action. For him, it's more on like sequencing from the ground up and like mm -hmm. pelvis and torso rotation, you know, sequencing properly. At least that's yeah. what we work the focus of the drill on. So for me, it just doesn't make sense to put a super heavy implement into his into his hand in yeah, that type of a situation for sure people sleep on the lower half and pit and picks oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's i i think like that drill is unbelievably good for that yeah. uh yeah i think it's it's a big time hack oh yeah yeah uh new plyos coming out today when uh this launches so this pod's coming out monday yeah so plyo will calculator will be with it um and that'll be free so on plus That'll be free uh, on plus. So anybody can use it. Um, and yeah, kind of like Besky alluded to, you can use it to help maybe dictate which balls you should be throwing in like your next velocity phase, or even, you know, potentially your on-ramp phase. Um, you know, even if, if you're someone who's thrown weighted balls for down a plyo velo or, or could do some sort of baseline and know your max mound velo, you know, just because you're going in an on-ramp doesn't mean you can plug it into the, you know, you could plug it into the calculator and be like, all right, I, I suck at the light balls. Maybe in my on-ramp, I should like, you know, buy the dark green ball and mix in some lighter implements a little bit more frequently because mm -hmm. I'm not very good at throwing those. Uh, or if you are going into a velo phase and you want to, you know, have an overload or an underload focus, but are not sure which one to use or how to structure it, the, the calculator could be like pretty, pretty valuable. Is it bucketed by age or like playing level at all? 
Um, I believe we might have something in there for like experience with flyouts. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's the biggest thing is guys who are more experienced. Yeah. If you've been doing fly velos for years, you probably have a better feel for one, the drills, moving max effort within the drills, and then moving the plyos at max effort. Yeah. That's what we noticed with the plyo velo study too. Um, like the guys who we got a bunch of employees to be subjects and we had some actual athletes who had been training for a while and the the people who were the employees um who didn't throw them all the time when they got to throwing the green ball basically max effort it was like oh man you really your mechanics like horizontal abduction everything else was like it's significantly different from the others so clearly this is pretty you're not used to this it's pretty pretty heavy but yeah pink ball launches too um we have a blog kind of ready to go that talks about some of the stuff that we talked about here but more specifically like the origin story if you will of of the new implements kind of some of the you know theory behind uh you know more or less variability and, and things like that uh that steve wrote um that'll be coming out in conjunction with this let's go steve um we'll probably re-up the the pink ball investigation uh, we do have some other stuff that we want to do to investigate, not just the pink ball, but the other balls that we kind of talked about. But yeah, um, yeah. And then plus, we, we didn't even really touch on, uh, you know, it's probably better to, to have Devin on and talk about it. But like, I think the applications to like youth athletes is mm -hmm. just like so massive. For know? sure. Uh, yeah, because like you're just overall strength probably matters a lot with, uh, or I guess development and development age. Yeah, what um, we ran into a lot probably. with like the younger athletes are, or, you know, smaller athletes or whatever, it's just like, because, you know, our implements just naturally skewed a little heavier to begin with, like in our standard set, you just found like a lot of programming with those guys were just like, all right, throw two red balls and two yellow balls. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that's not much variability in their training. Maybe it would be better to have four balls, but they just don't go that heavy because yeah. this athlete is 10 years old or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the applications to youth are, are, pretty, are pretty crazy as well. I just think like, it just makes... A ton of sense to be able to to scale your training up or down based on a variety of different yeah, factors, whatever. and you just need more implements yeah. to, to choose from, and that's just basically what we what we did. But yeah, next week, and uh, yeah, we're we're pretty we're pretty pretty fired up about it. Pretty guess. Yeah. What about um, All Star breaks over? Guys, got any comments about how the season's going? Is Sweeper still king? Sweeper's still definitely king, uh, so long as you throw it hard enough uh but no uh, i'm excited for for the second half uh our advantage plan athletes uh we now have like an internal report that goes out every day that basically looks at all of our results from our advantage plan athletes on the pitching and hitting side uh we look at a ton of stuff but you know primarily try to hone in on on war and mm -hmm. see if we're, we're creating any surplus war with those athletes and uh yeah i mean i can only speak to the pitching side i mean the hitting side's right there too but the pitching results are just like insane I mean, in insane. Like and that's, surplus that's war above we're driving. projections, right? Yeah, that's what you yeah, mean by surplus? Yep. Yeah, 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 Like yeah, projected above, war above for projected. this year. And yeah. Then... yeah, they're just insane. You know, everything is just pretty off the charts. You know, like ERA reduction, K rate going up, walk rate going down, miss distance going down, uh, you know, reduction in... Miss distance? Just... You're talking about commanded? Yeah. Did you yeah, know your driveline? Big command results. I think we're down, advantage playing guys are down like almost uh, an inch in miss distance. Let's go. Yeah, velocity. I mean, the results are just like pretty crazy. So I'm excited to see how we sustain that in uh, in the second half. I think uh, our guys typically perform unbelievably well in the second half just because um, 
you know, the reality is a lot of guys throwing fitness starts to, to take a workload, shit. baby. Uh, starts to take you ever a heard shit, about pulse, right? The second half, you know, you want to save your bullets. So guys start throwing less. Our guys <laughs> don't do that. And, uh, and yeah, we, we typically see really, really good results in the second half. So I'm excited to, to see that stuff. So. Fuck yeah. What about the Mariners, Besky? They're going to go, they're going to keep going on a run. They Making have a playoff to, run? right? Yeah. I got to believe more than last year. Yeah, for sure. If they yeah, if they can do what they did at the end of the season last year, continue doing that now, hey, maybe they got a shot at the uh, – I think their playoff odds were like 50% or something last week, which is uh, which is like the yeah. highest they've been. Three wildcard teams. Yeah. Three wildcard teams. <laughs> Let's go. Wild. Yeah. Literally wild. <laughs> yeah. Three wildcard teams. It's crazy. Anyways, you guys got anything else? Uh, no. Um, yeah. These will be out next week. Um, you know, for sure, if you have uh, questions on on how to use them or anything like that, you know, you can you can hit up CR. You can hit up our Plus Slack if you're a Plus member and you're in there. Um, yeah, there's a ton of different ways to reach out. But I think, um, yeah, I, I just think the use cases are like pretty wide and we're, we're pretty excited about it. And I think the calculator can be extremely helpful for, for anyone that that is new to throwing plows or already throws them. But, uh, but yeah, if, if guys have questions or even better, uh, you know, if, if you guys have ideas, you know, anyone listening to, to how you feel like you can implement these and mm-hmm. some things that you're doing with them, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear those too. I think. Yeah. Hit the comments below, like and subscribe to the channel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, it's tools on plus for free. You'll make an account. You can get it for free. Um, Code good to learn. The number two is a, I think, ten percent discount with for the pod. Support the boys, um, and yeah, we'll we'll see you next week, episode ninety. Yeah. Oh, uh, one other. Thing. We're we're selling them individually, so uh, we, we a la carte. Like, yeah, we felt like that might be better, especially for guys that like already have plows. You know, uh, rather than selling them, sets. Yeah, rather than jumping and just selling like sets or whatever. Um, you know, maybe buying specific ones if you feel like, you know, there's, there's some balls you want to leverage some ones you don't or whatever, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Get on the tool, order some balls, hit us with, with feedback, use cases, questions. We're, we're ready for it. Let's go, baby. Thank you, gentlemen. Peace. Peace. I'm not a bad person.